passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. John Pollock and Wei Ting here with our Fast Lane post show. How are you, Wei? Doing pretty well, John. How are you? We're live. We are live. Yes, live on Zoom for all of our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons who uh, have stuck around at 10 p.m. Eastern. How about that? Perfect end time. Great start for us as we, uh, a pay-per-view that was on the Fast Lane. Did, did it feel fast to you? Not the first uh, three quarters of this show that largely felt like there was absolutely no point to this show. But we we got to some substance in some felt ways. Like, yeah, it felt like the um, traffic within the fast lane. You know? Yeah, Sometimes this was like, like, it was bottlenecked. And then, you know, at the end of it, it was, I don't know, you were hungry and there was like some some diner that you found at the end that was like pretty satisfying. That you sat yeah. down for a half hour, but you were still in traffic for three hours. It's like, you know, being stuck in traffic for like 90% of the way. And then like the last tenth of your run is completely free. It's that sort of feeling. Yeah. And you get to your destination. You're like, well, we kind of knew where we were going this whole time. Why did, why did, we, why did we take such a long route to get here? Well, first of all, what, what do you know of, of this of the plans for this WrestleMania match with Reigns and, and Edge and like what's going on here coming out? I, of this? It's my strong impression that we are getting a triple threat at WrestleMania. It seemed to be the only indication coming out of this show. I mean, there's um, there's no reason for that tap beyond inserting Brian into this match, and that's certainly the conclusion I had, and I think that that. I mean, we have three shows, so they've got to make it very clear. And I think that is what will happen, I would assume, Friday. Like, they have to make this match. But that's my strong impression. We're getting triple threat with those three. Like, this is... Everything is geared around WrestleMania. So you are not doing a finish like that. Tapping Roman Reigns, of all people. And then throwing Brian into a random match in three weeks. So I'm expecting triple threat. Because honestly, with the way they handled Edge at the end... Uh, that match needs Daniel Bryan. It's lost, uh, to me, the sympathetic babyface without Daniel Bryan. So that's that's the belief of that I have. Bryan definitely came out of that looking like the biggest babyface among the three. And so with all that said, I mean, this was not a throwaway pay-per-view, if you consider that finish you know, to be substantial. I think that it, you could look at this show and it was, to me, throwaway in the sense that Everything up until the end, like, say what you will, people are going to be uh, extremely harsh on one particular return, but, I mean, it was the return of The Fiend after three months for a match that they've been building for months, so, like it or not, like, this is a match that they're building, so that 
was a significant part of tonight's show and the main event like that was those were the consequences of tonight's show. The rest, I, I thought Drew and Sheamus had a really nice match, but they've had several really nice matches. This was mm-hmm. an excuse to do another 20 minutes of them. So, hey, I would rather good quality than bad. Um, but that was I, I, I don't think anything that changes anything and no hurt business on the show either. This was really just strong win for Drew going into WrestleMania. And beyond that, of course, you know, the like uh, getting people over to, to Peacock before WrestleMania, having sort of a big drive uh, before your WrestleMania weekend. I, I think there was purpose in that. Yeah, I'm going to mention off the top that when we do go to phone calls, I would love to hear feedback, uh, not just on Fastlane, but also if you are in the States, your experience on Peacock tonight, it sounded like there were people that had issues with them. Uh, I believe Peacock or WWE even issued a statement on it. And as well, uh, we will be talking about the New Japan Cup final uh, from earlier today. Today was a long day, a lot of wrestling going on between the New, J- New Japan Cup final. Uh, Noah had a card with Kazuki Fujita winning the GHC national title from Keno. We had the NWA pay-per-view. John Ceno has a big report on that. It sounds like uh, you know, quite the tribute to uh, Joseph Hudson, the question mark in that main event that you know both both. Nick Aldis and Aaron Stevens were dedicating it to. And I believe John Cena said like the best Aaron Stevens match he's seen. I haven't seen it yet. So um, I, I look forward to seeing that for sure. Uh, and then we had tonight's pay-per-view. So we will get into fast lane and the kickoff featured uh, Caleb Braxton, Booker T, Jerry Lawler and Peter Rosenberg. Not a whole lot to the kickoff beyond them bringing up that Shane McMahon had injured his knee earlier in the day, and that would set up an angle for the actual show. And the lone kickoff match was Riddle and Mustafa Ali for the United States Championship. Uh, I thought a pretty good match that these two had. I would put it above uh, their match this past Monday on Raw. Riddle made his comeback where he had been selling the ribs. Uh, He hit the final flash. Floating bro landed on Ali's knee, and then Ali got the Koji clutch. Riddle lifted him up, dropped Ali, but hurting the ribs in the process, and then caught Ali with a choke in the corner, lifted him up on the second turnbuckle for the bro Derek, and won in 9 minutes and 16 seconds. After the match was the big breakup, as Ali was browbeating all the members of Retribution. First it was Reckoning who walked out, then Slapjack had had enough, and it culminated with T-Bar and Mace choke-slamming Mustafa Ali. And the implosion of retribution occurred on the fast lane kickoff show. Um, which is fine. Like, I don't even know if this deserved any sort of um, pay-per-view spot. Honestly, it, this this breakup, I think, was long, long, long overdue. It was like pulling off a Band-Aid, but maybe like three weeks after that Band-Aid has, um, you know, lost all of its effectiveness. It's got like eight months, like, maybe. A- Eight months, sir. I mean, it's got little bits of hairs and dust sticking all over it. It's half half flapping off, and it basically has just fallen off. You know, this everybody has come out of this angle looking worse. That includes every member of Retribution. That includes Ali himself. So I'm more than happy to see this end. What do you think happens with all of these members? I think it will become clear who they have plans for. Uh, certainly, I could see everyone getting new characters. I hope this means something for Ali and it doesn't just mean that he toils away in the same land that Ricochet and Umberto Carrillo occupy. Um, 
This, the see- failure of this group should not be put on him whatsoever. No, but I think that as well, if I'm looking at things, who are they going to see potential in? Could I see uh, T-Bar or Mace getting a rebranding? Uh, yes. And creating some, some monsters. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Mm. But I think for everyone, like, I think that Mia Yim should be fine. The women's division certainly could use her. I think everyone goes their separate ways. I don't need to see any more uh, of this involving retribution. I hope they just separate. Um, but is I hope any chance, for, Is there any chance they stay together but find new leadership? I think these characters are dead. I don't think yeah. that you would... I, I think the, the problem was not having a great talker as your leader. It was like this thing was dead from the beginning. It was ne- They were never given any opportunity, no story. It was so they were losing comically bad. More they lost all not. their matches. Like it was designed to fail. This was not that, oh, we had these great ideas and they just didn't click. No, these were awful ideas and the performers were left to try and make what they could out of this, which was unfortunately nothing. Well, I just suggested because like the whole breakup has really been built around um, Ali thinking that the group is incompetent. And ultimately, you know, from tonight, having Ali or having the group saying, teach us, teach us. And then Ali failing like it's the focus seems to be centered on the poor leadership of Ali for the reason for them to leave. I mean, if they feel that they could extend this uh, some way. I just think the characters are, are dead that I would look at this as a hard reset, but coming out of this, I mean, they may do some angle out of this and they all continue to have some, some program together um, with, with Ali. I mean, you could extend it, but I think ultimately the expiry date has been hit on this angle. And I'm hoping like maybe post mania, you see some of these people go in different directions. The pay-per-view kicked off with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. And everyone, rest assured, Reginald returned at the pay-per-view in the corner of Jax and Baszler. This was peak WWE tag team division. Both teams arguing before the bell rang. And then we are off to the races. And Banks and Belair got on the same page working against Baszler. But then Baszler took over. She had the heat on Belair for the longest time. Then... Banks eventually got tagged in after Belair rolled to the corner and Banks tried. She had some ambitious plan to leap off of Nia Jax to deliver a tornado DDT to Shayna Baszler. It sounds impressive if you can envision it, uh, but the execution did not quite meet the mark. So Belair then came back. She hit a 450 splash when Reginald got involved and interfered, allowing the challengers to go after Reginald Banks got the bank statement on Baszler but Nia shoved Belair on top of them so Banks gets upset at Belair for falling and landing on top of her so as Banks is arguing with her Baszler rolls her up from behind in 9 minutes and 42 seconds and I did not think this match was great I thought the finish was really lame and Sasha and Belair just I hope these next 3 weeks are some of the Best storytelling that they have been saving up since the Royal Rumble because God do these two need it. Sasha looks so foolish here in the end. I just think this this mini program just to get us to fast lane has taken all the wind out of this program personally. Totally agree. Um, I think the match was below standard, certainly for Sasha and Bianca. It was not a good match. Yeah. Um, 
I overall just find the whole story really predictable, cliched, and corny. It's exactly what we expected. You know, two partners who don't get along going for a championship ahead of a match that they're already booked for at WrestleMania. And then some incident within the body of the match leads to them further um, hating each other. It, it, it you know, it, it it did nothing to of that sort, in my opinion. That like I thought these two had plenty of gripe with one another simply because Bianca Belair won the Royal Rumble and is about to challenge Sasha Banks for her belt. And all of these shenanigans that they've done for the past two months have only served to decrease my interest in this match. I definitely consider this potential for you know a main event of a WrestleMania one of the nights. I don't see that anymore unless these next three weeks are just exceptional, which. I, you know, I definitely think they're starting further back than they were. Banks slapped Belair, calling her a rookie, and left as Belair calmed herself down, looking at the WrestleMania sign for assurance that she's still got WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, the sign, the sign, it just like adds to the corniness of it all, right? Like, the whole thing already feels like acting, and I really feel like Sasha has really done the over the top heel thing. It just, not. Not very well, you know? Like, the fake laugh, again, is, is to me, a, 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 a real detriment. And, and I think even her transition from really a baby face before this whole thing began to now just all of a sudden just being a pretty straight-up heel, I don't think has been handled very well. Um, so, and, and this Reginald stuff, like, was it, did it play that big of a part in the end of all this? I mean, he was the distraction for Sasha. You, you could have done, you could have had anybody come out to do a distraction. Like, was it worth having so much focus on Reginald for the past month and a half? I mean, he was the one put in that role, so I understood by the time they got to this match, he was that that figure to lead to Sasha losing. To me, it just... This this match between Sasha and Belair, it was very simple, and sometimes the most simple stories are the ones that, when you have to tell over three months, get muddled up with stuff like this, because it was a battle of who is the best on SmackDown, and instead, Bay, uh, Belair and Banks are eating pins left and right leading into WrestleMania, and I think it so harmed the easy momentum that they had when Belair won the Royal Rumble. Everyone wanted this match from the get-go, and when people want that match, it's just, let's not screw this up, and they are, they're definitely fumbling uh, so far. So, three weeks, I hope that this can center the focus on these two, get the spare parts removed, and just give us a strong three-week build to at least give us a big match at Mania. And ultimately, if they deliver on the match, that is what will be remembered. The closing moments of the match, had, or, or, or the angle, had Sasha continually kind of berating Bianca for being the rookie and kind of almost telling her to, you know, stay her place in line. So I think we can maybe expect some of that storytelling in the next few weeks. Shane McMahon was on a crutch backstage, icing his knee. Elias and Jackson Riker are pitching him because Elias wants to perform at WrestleMania, and Shane says, I've got an idea, which is our first warning sign of the night. I thought it was pretty funny how like, part of Elias's motivation is to have a performance so good, Bad Bunny will just want to give him his Grammy. Man, that was really good. Here. <laughs> this is not how Grammys work, but here you go. Big E and Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship. Big E broke out the spear taking Cruz off the apron to the floor. And uh, Big E was just trash-talking him the entire match like he was Kevin Holland last night in the uh, Derek Brunson fight. This was Kevin Holland for the whole fight where he's just 
constantly talking, but he's losing like the whole fight. And it's yeah. just like, uh, <laughs> it was very weird. So it works a lot better in pro wrestling than it does. I mean, at least Biggie was in control as he was uh, berating Cruz. But then Cruz cut him off with a drop kick to the knee, hit some rolling German suplexes. And then in this transition, Biggie went for the big ending. Cruz avoided it and went for an inside cradle. And referee Jessica Carr counted two. And then Biggie bridged as she counted three. And it kind of looked like this double pin it, this did not look smooth it was kind of you were left immediately to think they did the double pin but what they were trying to convey is that biggie got his shoulders up at the last second because cruz immediately accepted it as a loss it went 543 do, do we know that that's what was supposed to happen or was it simply cruz i mean the announcers stated that biggie retained and apollo well, yeah. was Only apollo was the that. one yelled this isn't over and he treated it like a loss like he got well, caught so do we not do we not know that it was supposed to be a double pin for for instance perhaps and then referee did one of those things where oh okay legitimately this person's got his shoulder up so I have to call it for Big E. If if then, that was the case, you would have had the announcers hitting you over the head with that. And more importantly, you would have been selling the two sides arguing who won. Like this was not that. This was no, Paulo Cruz upset no, that saying, he had I, got caught. Well, I'm saying was it the, was it supposed to be a double pin? But the referee, for some reason, called it for Big E, like due to due to legitimacy, and then was the rest improvised. That's all I'm left asking because it definitely didn't look like it was supposed to go the way it was planned, and you could tell because there was no crowd noise for the finish, no crowd dot MP3 ready ready on the trigger, and no replay to show whatever this was supposed to be. So I I, I just wonder what exactly was supposed to happen here. Although by the end, I do get the sense that Apollo was probably not supposed to win anyway. Uh, but whether or not it was supposed to be a double pinfall, I guess we'll find out in the days ahead. I just don't see Apollo going to this post-match attack the way he did. Like, I think that the way the announcers sold it, and I mean, he instantly went to the attack. It was no like, oh shoot, we got to improvise on the on the fly here. I mean, it could be, that could have been the point of improvisation. Mm, I, I don't think you're improvising to, the, to that degree. Like, this was just a total beatdown here afterwards. Well, they could have gone to this closing angle, no matter what. Well, the whole point was Cruz repeatedly saying, it's not over. He hit him with the angle slam. So it looks like we're just going to continue this. And I don't know. He, um, I mean, it was six minutes. Yeah, it was really unfortunate because, you know, whatever this finish was, I thought killed an otherwise pretty good, intense match. From the moment they touched, it felt like it was very heated. So. um when you look at the totality of this feud, it really is kind of pretty strange. Like Apollo has Biggie is like, what? Like how many times has he beat four and O or something like that? Um, so you know, but 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 I like I am a fan of this new Apollo character. I think it's fresh. I do feel like they will carry this towards WrestleMania. Um, but they're gonna. Have you, to, you think uh, this has enough juice to just as a singles match to go into WrestleMania? Yes. Wow. Um, I, I guess it could if you add. Like Who I don't even know what stipulation you're adding to it. Um, five count, maybe. <laughs> five count, yeah. But Biggie has to win five times, otherwise <laughs> okay. Apollo gets the championship. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, it, for me, my only interest is because of this fresh Apollo character. Um, beyond that, I just, I, I just I wonder if this is a match where this title maybe you throw in other other people and it becomes 
a multi-man match or in three weeks. Like, can you really build up a big feud for Big E in three weeks? I'm not saying you're building up a feud. I'm saying more it's accounting for numbers too. I, I just think coming back with Big E and Apollo Crews in three weeks without anything on top of it. And I don't know that this really screams for a stipulation. It's just, I don't know. It's like, to me, I don't know either why you did the match now or you didn't just flip the title onto Apollo if you wanted to keep this going. Well, again, who, like I, I imagine in the days and hours ahead, we'll find out what was supposed to happen here. But I just don't really see anybody, anybody else on the horizon for Biggie other than Apollo Crews because this really still feels unsettled. Mm-hmm. And this was very short. So, I mean, maybe there's more to this uh, finish that uh, didn't quite need it because it was not a smooth finish at all. There was this Old Spice commercial. Uh, Akira Tozawa was in it. R-Truth was in it. Some people got pinned. R-Truth stole the 24-7 title. I don't want any analysis about this. They, they had uh, Rick Bo- Boogies playing Joseph Average here, the, like some sort of uh, spokesman for Old Spice. And he actually pinned R-Truth accidentally mm-hmm. in, in the uh, scuffle here. I thought this was better than your typical 24-7 segment. Yeah, yeah. It at Mar- least drew money. Uh, yes, they, they did draw money here. So yeah. there you go. Uh, uh, a money-making segment from Old Spice. So Elias is in the ring with Shane McMahon and Jackson Riker, and as he goes to perform, Shane informs Elias he is taking his spot against Braun Strowman. So... At some point this week, they had stopped advertising this match. Then on SmackDown, this was back on. So I guess at some point, they came up with this angle to get them out of the match and extend this program with Braun and Shane to Mania. So Elias was a punching bag, uh, briefly got the heat as he chop-blocked the knee, but then Strowman made his comeback, clothesline, power slam, and ended this in three minutes and 51 seconds. And that's it. It just looks like... Now Shane will get the match in three weeks. It was just a TV squash match. Do you think this was always the plan to to get for Shane to get out of the match like this, or do you think they were actually supposed to have some some form of actual match, Shane and Braun? I could imagine maybe they just didn't know what they were going to do, whether it be an angle that you could just have Shane get some fluke win. But to me, that would be way too similar to what they were going to do with Alexa and Randy. But um. Yeah, you you go with this, like whatever. It's whatever whatever interest people will have in this Braun Chain program will be dependent on the stipulation that they set for the match, so that we can you know have some sort of anticipation of what Shane McMahon will jump off of. That really is the excuse for this entire thing. A brains versus Braun match. So, like what skill test? Like they'll play Jeopardy while um, jumping off a of shit. Yeah, there will be a trivia component. And then a physical component. Can't wait. Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura were backstage for the most painful conversation that no no man would ever want to be a part of. And poor Shinsuke had to listen to Riddle sell him on his business idea of selling scooters and then going on this rambling story about his cousin Skeeter the Skater, who had a skating crash that caused him to walk like Nakamura does during his entrance the comedy was that Nakamura hid to avoid the rest of this conversation and Riddle was left by himself. Yeah. I'm, you, I, like you could just see Vince cracking up at this loving this guy. So you got to ride the scooter like this. You, you just know he's coaching him on all this stuff. So something's got to happen to this scooter. And my question is for WrestleMania, does he come out with like a brand new, like, pimped out 
scooter. He's got, he's got to do what he just said here. He's got to put some gnaws on that thing. Scooter all the way. Maybe out. that's going to be. He's going to come out to like a like a giant jet fueled scooter at WrestleMania. Sure, down that ramp. That would actually yeah. be, would be kind of cool. Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura selling the effects of that conversation. Um, Rollins was yelling about twenty two times that Cesaro swung him. Um, they had a good match. I, I thought that. Rollins got to showcase some of his athleticism here. They went 13 minutes. Uh, Nakamura dropped a knee off the apron, uh, but then Rollins cut him off. Suicide dive, hit the springboard knee. And then after Nakamura hit the sliding German and went for the Kinshasa, he was stopped with a buckle bomb, Falcon Arrow. And then Nakamura got out of the way of the stomp hitting the landslide. He set up for the Kinshasa, but instead was stopped, hit in the back of the head. Rollins had like, Went for a kick, missed, and then hit like this backward kick, and then hit the stomp, pinning Nakamura in twelve fifty five. At this point in the show, like this was, this was probably the best match so far. But I mean, their competition was not all that stiff in the lead up. I think when I think about these two talents, like in my mind, I just for some reason I think that these two could have such a great match, and I think judging by those expectations. This was anything but to me. This was just a completely average WWE match. One person takes turns doing his signature moves. The other person takes turns doing his signature moves. You Then you have some sort of finish. And just to me, there was nothing new nor inventive, nor, you know, was this a match you had to see at all. It was, it was, yeah, fine as the ceiling for this match. And then the no holds barred match, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Drew came out with war paint with the colors of the Scottish flag. Um, I thought it was a cool look. Cool look and a great video. You know, like it really cleaned up all the months of bullshit that screwed this entire feud up. If you didn't watch any of the TV leading up to this program and you only watch that video, you'd probably think that this was a pretty well-built program. That's why Seamus was on the bump today and he had mentioned that tonight, this is my WrestleMania the natural follow-up question would have been, Sheamus, was this supposed to be your WrestleMania? <laughs> so it must have been Royal Rumble. Uh, it probably was many things. It probably was not supposed to be his uh, uh, two-hour notice on Raw a couple of weeks back. So anyway, if you enjoyed their matches on TV, this was an extension of it with this being the definitive blow-off until they do another match tomorrow night, probably. <laughs> uh, we had weapons involved. They got the kendo sticks out, so this should blow up their Instagrams tomorrow with shots of their back. McIntyre got the kendo stick and drove it into Sheamus's eye. Great throwback to, to last year's favorite attack. They fought on the desk uh, ringside as Sheamus gets thrown off of it. They fight around the arena up to the LED screens of the Thunderdome. And then McIntyre throws Sheamus through the screens to the floor and the sparks start to fly. This is our tribute to Beyond the Mat. McFoley and The to- Rock. The sparks. Oh, those sparks. I thought you were going to say our tribute to the uh, revolution. Because we had as much pyro here as we did in the main event. I thought there was a little bit more Exploding barbed wire match. (laughs) A bit more, yes. So, Sheamus is brought back to ringside. And Sheamus pops off the shoulders, hits a brogue kick, sending McIntyre over the barricade. And then hit white noise off the barricade through the announcer's desk. Into the ring, they traded big slaps, and Sheamus had brought in a panel from the desk. McIntyre got control of him, hit the future shock onto the panel, and Claymore 
to win in 19 minutes and 42 seconds. I thought this was very good. You know, it's it was of the quality you've come to expect from these two, but expanded on a pay-per-view level. And it's just simply fun to watch like heavyweights hit each other with various items. I thought they planned some nice, satisfying table breaks, some explosions in, in all this. So it lived up to my expectations. Went the right amount of time. I think that these two, like, honestly, like the two TV matches and this, I thought they were three for three in their execution of the matches. And that's even with a non-finish in the second one. I thought that, you know, these two, they had great chemistry together. And for a match that I think was a throwaway outcome for most, they they had an entertaining match on the show. This was definitely the best match up until this point in the show. Yeah. You know, if this is to be the end, I, I think, you know, we, we, we should congratulate um, Seamus because I think he's been very good since he's come back to, to Raw and started this program with Drew. Uh, it really is just unfortunate the, so- the story itself wasn't a bit more kind of cohesive and solid and straightforward. You know, like Drew almost looked emotional at the end here. Did you see that? His eyes like looked like red and watering up or something. I, I don't doubt that these two, like I would I would love to hear these two at some point reflect on this program because like it started in November. Okay. They were starting that friendship, like hitting it big in November. And I'm sure they did not expect in November that this will culminate at fast lane. So I'm sure that these two had to deal with a lot of curveballs and unfortunately had to navigate plans change. Like that would be my assumption here. And I, I bet for these two, like they, I'm sure at some point they were hoping, like, whether it be the Rumble, whether they even had hopes of this being enough to carry to Mania. I'm sure they had high expectations for where this could go and, you know, tried to make the best out of it. So then we go to the main event, Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. Randy Orton comes out and as he is doing his pose on the turnbuckle, it's the return of the black goo. At this point, I knew Way was going to love this. I was just like, the moment he said, <laughs> give me a damn towel. I just I just started laughing like hysterically right away. Like, man. Hey, man, give him a lot of credit. He recovered from this pretty, his biggest concern was getting dirty and just wanted a towel. Like, just, just give me a sec. I'm good. Can you just imagine like the past three weeks for Randy? He's just like. Oh man, shit! It's coming back up. Sorry, guys. Like, sorry, family. I gotta t- just take a break from family dinner. I got this black tar shit problem that I'm I've been dealing with. You realize if if we were in the era of like those trashy news magazine shows, and someone decided to do a story on WWE COVID testing, this would be the B roll they would use. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is what life in Florida looks like. So Alexa comes out. This is the worst theme in the history of pro wrestling. It's awful. It's like an audio engineer that just like, dude, look at my art, man. Look at this. <laughs> I didn't hate the idea. You know, this was like a sort of like a fucked up, like screwed, you know, de- detuned version of the, what is it? Bray Wyatt theme. The The concept is fine. I've heard way worse. Like I've heard way worse mashups. You know, like, and other ideas. I thought you'd like this. This is stuff I have heard come out of your car radio. This genre. <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. Orton walks up to Alexa, but a giant flame erupts. <laughs> and Orton then stalks her around the ring. 
Alexa looks up to the ceiling and the lighting grid crashes down in front of Randy. <laughs> so they go into the ring. This is my favorite moment in the history of pro wrestling. This is my favorite moment, hearing you recap it all. Alexa throws a fireball. A fireball at Randy, which Orton like walks through. It's like he's he's built up an immunity to this fireball, and the announcers explained he partially blocked it. <laughs> he partially blocked the fireball obviously, to his face. Well, obviously the man knows what to expect now. He's been studying uh, the, the fireball tapes. Like he's been training with Ryu. Like he knows how to block these things now. Well, then from from the depths of hell. A giant hand from the Swamp of Doom comes up from the ring, grabbing at Randy. And out comes the newest Mattel figure that they're going to make a fortune off of. This was something that I'm sure I drew when I was 12 years old and my art teacher told me to try again. Alexa sent Randy into the Fiend, who hit Sister Abigail, allowing Alexa to pin Randall. In four minutes and 38 seconds, and Alexa Bliss wins. So for people just listening to this who haven't seen it, I mean, it's this was supposed to be a burnt fiend, like a f- fried fiend. Burning you know? man. Uh, burnt man, maybe. He, I don't think was... this installation would pass a burning man. Uh, probably not. This match, though. Listen, <laughs> I know you I'm loved very, it. Just, just tell me why. I, I'm very hot and cold with this type of shit. Um, tonight I was, I was hot for it because man, I love this stuff. Whenever they commit and whenever they deliver something su- substantial and like so, what the fuck that you just have? To, it was just entertaining. Like th- first of all, it was this was a cinematic match. You know, like clear editing, clear. I mean, special effects, um, or simply just look at it as an. Oh, angle. They, they should have done this live at WrestleMania. Oh my! See well, if they could pull it off. They'll they'll probably pull off a bigger cinematic match at WrestleMania. Oh, they, they dude like the what they have to deliver at WrestleMania is just going to have to be a mind warp. They, are they might alluded. have to close the show. Like, what do you close? Like, whatever this culmination is between these two. You know, with the live crowd, I can't see them closing any any of those shows with with a cinematic match. But you know that 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 is the hinting that we are getting from the promos. It's like Alexa or somebody saying you're going to have to like pay for your past sins or something something to that effect so i i think like we're all but you know kind of guaranteed uh firefly funhouse match for me is randy orton gonna have to recreate his entrance from wrestlemania 33 for the rematch with bray i hope they somehow touch on that yeah just like you know like that's maybe they'll start all the way back from the beginning when he was like you know competing for with other (laughs) of bob orton's uh dna um (laughs) To be born, simply. Anyway, yes. listen, I they delivered on uh, stunts here. They delivered on the return of the Fiend with a new look, you know? So I, I thought, at the very least, this felt like a worthwhile chapter in this greater story. Well, it was the return of the Fiend. I mean, the guy's been gone since December. He's been gone a long time. Yeah, and Alexa has had um, the unfortunate task of trying to carry this thing to very varying degrees of success. And then we go to the final match of the night. Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship with Edge as the man standing ringside. And we start off with Bryan threatening for submissions. He's going for heel hooks, arm bars. He's then circling around Reigns, delivering low calf kicks. 
This guy knows what's what's the big thing in MMA at the moment. He knows that you just saw what you just saw, and this guy was going to make all the people who want realism in their pro wrestling a bit happier. So Reigns took control, running him into the post. Uh, Brian would fight back with a top rope Hurricane Rana. There was a spot where Brian went for a Pescado, and I guess Reigns was supposed to catch him, but Brian was like so far extended that it basically turned into a power slam. And then Brian recovered, flying knee off the apron, and Brian just unloads these kicks on Reigns, who comes back with knees from the tie clinch. Brian is stomping him down, gets the yes lock, and rotates him to the center of the ring. Reigns breaks free of the yes lock and lands giant strikes on top of Brian. So then Brian goes for the running knee, misses, and takes out the referee. And this was a devastating knee because this poor referee was unconscious for the rest of the show. He never came back. Well, it was a big knee to the face. So that's a big warning to whoever eats this kick. Reigns hits the spear and Edge slides in. Brian kicks out at two. So Edge is now the, the default in-ring referee. Brian's, or Reigns is landing more shots and he's caught in a triangle. And then back into the yes lock. Brian is delivering cross faces. He has the lock in deep. When Jay Uso appears, super kicking Edge and Brian. And we've got a chair in the ring. Brian ducks the chair shot, takes out Jay with the running knee, and we never saw Jay again. So this knee is, maybe this knee needs to be investigated because there were casualties from this knee. Yeah. yeah. Brian takes the chair, takes out Jay with it, then swings the chair at Reigns, misses, and hits Edge. We had our Sean Taker Brett moment. Mm-hmm. Some weird uh, transitions here. And with that, Edge goes down. Reigns lands the Superman punch, goes for the spear, and it's countered into the yes lock. And it's deep. And Reigns has this greatest look on his face. His eyes are about to pop out. And he taps. But the referee is still out. And the announcers are going crazy that Reigns has tapped. And then Edge attacks both men with a chair, screaming, This is mine! And he storms out. The man's like pulling the hair out of his head. And a new referee enters as Reigns climbs on top of Brian, who is dead from the chair shots. And Roman Reigns pins Brian in 30 minutes. But I think most leave this uh, with a pretty clear direction that this has got to be a three-way at WrestleMania. And I believe that's what we're going to get. I thought this was a pretty shocking result. Not the outcome officially of the match, but... Seeing that visionary tap from Roman Reigns to Daniel Bryan, who I think all of us came in expecting to just be a bit of a lame duck challenger. You know, they they did a great job setting you to believe that Bryan could possibly win, but there's no way that they're going to change this WrestleMania main event. I don't think for a second they're going to give Roman, like, uh, the, the visual of Roman Reigns tapping up for the very first time in his career to Daniel Bryan, unless they had plans for Daniel Bryan uh, substantially within the body of this main event at WrestleMania. So I that was a huge that, spot. And it was, it was to me, like we, we talked about this on Friday. I thought they had to give it to Brian after he promised it to such a degree. It's either the baby face fails big uh, or they do this, but yeah, it was a huge spot and they're not doing that for no reason. Roman has been alter protected. So you only are doing that to, Add who is the natural babyface? Like this match needs Brian after this finish. It absolutely does. So I think yeah. it's as 
clear cut as you could make it out to be. And, and you know, like I thought they were going to go into this with like sort of Brian and Edge being equal level baby faces, but I think like Edge coming in here, yes, he was justified in using the chair on Brian. I mean, Brian himself was about to use the chair. So, but you know, like for me, it was more so Edge complaining and whining and kind of like yelling, it's mine, it's mine afterwards. That to me screamed, okay, he is turning slightly heel. And I'm now as a fan supposed to be wanting Daniel Bryan as the lone baby face to, to win this match. Edge is aware he was still getting the shot though, right? So actually this was part of the conversation in the pre-post show. Um, why do you think Edge was saying this is mine? Well, I think that like that's, that's a part that like he tried to explain it in the promo that he's not upset Brian is getting this shot, just the way in which he went about it. And I brought that up at the time was regardless, you get the winner. It doesn't matter. It does not matter who wins this. So I, I think that like given that this is the top program on SmackDown and who is involved here, I think they will explain all of this out i don't think this is going to be one where it's left and does not make sense but i think that does require a promo from edge to explain what that means because regardless of who won this match you were getting that title shot and either you have to make it clear that you i mean the closest we've come is brian outlining that edge thinks he can beat roman reigns that he wanted to be the one to beat Roman Reigns. I mean, that's one way you can mm-hmm. go about it. Like Brian tapping him out. Hear. He's been the one that has been able to break this unbeatable force. And Edge wanted to be the one to do that. See, I just see it as like Edge, you know, like when he won the Rumble, he had his pick of several champions and he chose. I think he chose Roman Reigns specifically for a reason. He doesn't simply want to be a champion. He wants to beat Roman Reigns to become champion. And that might have been somewhat understated in his subsequent promos, but I didn't really question why he was saying that at the end of all Th- this. That's a great line, though, or a, a great story, though, for Brian to believe you thought I was the easier win at WrestleMania. That Edge wants Edge is kind of diminishing Daniel Bryan, thinking that that is not the guy I want to be. I want to beat the best guy, and that best guy is Roman Reigns. We'll see how they tell that story, but I think there's a lot to be told here. I mean, um, I you know usually I don't like three ways uh, for my WrestleMania, but if that is the direction that they're going into, I'm not complaining. I, I, think, I think Brian has been awesome this last mm-hmm. month. Like he, I was very critical of the lead up to Elimination Chamber and maybe even the handling of that, but he has been so great. And to me, the he match is, will be better. He is the spark plug for this match. It is a better match with Daniel Bryan in there. And they have tied him in so much with Edge and with Roman that this is one I'm with you. I'm not always the biggest triple threat fan, but I think that they that's the only direction to go uh, out of this one. I I like this a lot. This to me, if I was going to say anything worth watching on the show, it's the main event. I thought the actual match was was very good. You know, it was very well paced and I think strategic on Daniel Bryan's part. Um, having Roman sell as much as he did for Brian's submissions, I thought was wonderful. There are some beautiful yes lock entries from Brian all the way through here. It was very, you know, much more of a slower pace match, but compelling the whole way through. And that's something that's very unique about like Roman Reigns because he can wrestle a match where he doesn't do a whole lot yet. I'm captivated the whole way through. And then we can have like, you know, uh, Randy Orton or like a, I don't know, like another take your pick of like WWE style wrestler who does the same pace, but 
I get so bored. And I think much of that is because Roman's like groundwork that he does for for the character, for the storyline is so strong that he goes through once he gets to the match there's plenty of subtext in between the the, the lack of movement that keeps me like completely engaged. Uh so I continue to enjoy like every main event he's been in. So I, I enjoyed the main event. I enjoyed Drew and Sheamus. Uh, at most, I'm going thumbs in the middle on this show. I don't think this is a card you have to definitely drop what you're doing to go see. It was a show that more than anything, I think was, let's see how Peacock holds up. And this was a, a trial and error kind of night for them. And there, now we've got our three-week build. But I would say a, an average show. Yeah, I'm honestly leading like towards thumbs uh, down. Um, but the main outside of those two matches, like this was, there was some bad stuff on this show and some very bad stuff on this show and other stuff that just felt like it was total throwaway. So I can totally see that that justification of going thumbs down. I thought, given that we got 50 minutes, I thought a pretty solid wrestling. That's where I landed a thumbs in the middle for a two and a half hour show. I agree. I thought the main event was definitely worth watching, and you got to look see what the feed looks like, everybody. Dude, thirty minutes on the dot on my stopwatch. There's something the to be match? said about that. Oh yes. Wow. Thirty on the oh. second. Uh, quickly, let's talk about the New Japan Cup final, and then we'll open up the phone line. So Will Osprey defeated Shingo Takagi and went thirty minutes and seven seconds. So I mean, oh. Th- they thought they were going to get hit it. the mark, but this yeah. uh, this would certainly have been the the match of the day, and people would probably go a lot higher. The match was unbelievably spectacular. I I haven't watched their best of the Super Juniors match in a long time, uh, but I like this one to me was unbelievably spectacular with with some of the spots that they had early on. It was a lot about working over Takagi's back that was all taped up while Osprey had not just the shoulder injury, but also the nose that they were uh, showcasing after the uh, La Mystica from Zack Sabre Jr. And then it picked up where we had, uh, they went to the floor and this was when B distracted Takagi who was shoved into the post and will set up a table and it led to a 450 splash through this table. And this was one of the most spectacular spots of the year. This 450 through the table and the velocity at which he came off this turnbuckle with. But uh, the spot that's going around everywhere was the uh, the pumping bomber where Osprey rotated, landed on his feet, and then hit an os cutter, which... Uh, I can see some criticism of like this pumping bomber that he did not show the effects of, but I was just in awe of watching this. Like this, this was unbelievable to see this involving two human beings. Pull this when off. it's that when it's that creative and I think physically, um, you know, impressive. I I don't really like. I'm watching. I'm watching the fiend resurrect from the muddy swamps. Okay, it's like I'm I'm not going to be drawing the line at a guy flipping off of a pumping bomber. Um, uh, uh, Kota Bushi was on the floor. He was at commentary. And it was encouraging Takagi after he had been put through this uh, table uh, to break the count. And he got in, took a shooting star press, and then down the stretch, it's Takagi going into like his uh, Killer Coda version, where he was just no-selling everything. Hit made in Japan, a Poison Rana roared, which is always great, from Takagi. But then the Pumping Bomber is countered with a standing Spanish fly. He fires back, hits the Hidden Blade, which is the first time he's hit at this tournament, and the Stormbreaker wins it for Osprey, uh, 30 minutes, 7 seconds. We will talk about the post-match angle, but the match itself, uh, your thoughts? 
Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, as I think, you know, everybody expected it to be. Um, there was certainly a lot of, I think, uh, pressure for them to live up to their last match. And uh, I absolutely think they did. I think you're seeing a pretty different version of it, too, because you have a heavyweight Will Ospreay who feels a lot more confident as a heavyweight now. And also you have a heel Will Ospreay, which I think completely changes the dynamic. I thought his personality came across pretty strong throughout the match. And uh, Shingo's babyface underdog, you know, performance was tremendous as well. So uh, I'm a little disappointed he didn't actually win this thing. But I mean, you can you could have went with either guy, and you know, I, I'm sure they'll both. You know, Shingo will get his opportunity very shortly. I think that's very clear. A match that is on the in the uh, down down the road that they will will get to. I think that was very clear. This was as much Shingo's tournament as it was Osprey's to me. Yeah. Uh, he had some. I would say, with the exception of the evil match. I thought all of his matches were just outstanding uh, in the tournament. So after Osprey has Kota Bushi in the ring and he says he does not care about history or lineage. He's fine with Ibushi unifying the titles. He is number one. He needs that championship and he loves this more than anything or anyone and proceeds to lay out B Priestley with a cutter. And this angle was... I'm talking about literally in the building and on commentary, it was met with such a shock. Like it was silence. I thought the angle, it was, the angle did not work for me. I thought that it was just met with, I don't think the people wanted it. I think it came so far out of left field and the reaction afterward was, was pretty harsh on, on this angle. Uh, Just a, a combination of the, Male on female violence, and I just think, especially in a New Japan setting, um, I think it was very off-putting for a lot of people. But what did you think about the way to, wh- whether it be to uh, eliminate B Priestley from the Empire completely, whether this sets up a return for her? Um, this is it, it's almost a direct copy of an angle they did years ago with with Randy Orton with Stacy Keebler that year he was going in to the Undertaker match, and he lays out Stacy saying he's getting rid of all distractions before he takes on the undertaker. And 16 years ago, I think people uh, took that in a much different way than they do now. Cause this, I saw a lot of negativity towards this. Yeah, I did too. Um, I could say for myself, I mean, I, 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 I was kind of spoiled um, before I actually seen this. So I, I kind of knew what to expect, but even watching it, like I didn't find it all that shocking. And maybe that's just cause like I'm, I'm kind of more used to, you know, looking at pro wrestling, I've seen these two have a match, you know? So like, I, I, I didn't think of it as that big of a shocking thing, but that's not t- really taking into account perhaps how the Japanese view something like this, how, uh, you know, new Japan audiences view something like this. Cause something like this is quite rare. Um, I can absolutely understand, you know, the negativity I can understand, you know, the fact that it's like, it, it it's Will Ospreay, I suppose, who's like, you know, um, been, uh, it, you know, a controversial figure, whether or not justified. Um, I so, think that that's certainly that, like, certainly is is part of it as well. It's it, it's very difficult to look at. Like, first of all, in, in New Japan, I can see very much how their audience does not want this kind of thing, and and I I I didn't like it at all. I thought it really was unnecessary, and just felt like just from a pure storyline perspective, I think it's one of those. Like the Ric Flair Charlotte thing, where it's just such a there's no believability attached to it at all that you 
like divorced from everything else. I just thought it was a poor angle in that sense. And I, I just think that in a different setting, would people have any different reaction to this? Um, if we are going with just like the fact that you've mentioned that they have had a match together and that we have seen a lot of intergender wrestling. Well, you're going to see angles attached to that at times to build up this. But this to me, just given all those factors outlined, I just think that this really kind of just left this show on a bit of a down note that was an unnecessary one. It just rubbed people the wrong way. And I totally see that. Yeah. And, and that sort of negativity coming out of a New Japan angle, I mean, at least in the main event, I, I find kind of rare. So clearly uh, it did not work for many people, perhaps even. Uh, yeah, um, I, I wonder how, you know, people involved with the company would even think about something like this. Yeah, I know that uh, Voices of Wrestling put out a report uh, indicating that there there were people upset at New Japan, that there was a very small number that even knew that the angle was about to be taking place. So, yeah, it didn't seem like it landed, uh, whether it be with uh, fans or with people behind the scenes either. Uh, and the final note uh, I would be remiss not to bring up is on Saturday's show in Sendai, one of the most uh, unique uh, occurrences during a show was the fact that an earthquake occurred as the uh, the six man was happening. This was just before the two semifinal matches, and I don't even know if the clip is still up there on New Japan World or not. Um, it's it's on Twitter, like it's it's been people have probably seen it by now. But that yeah. was that was pretty scary. Uh, I was yeah. watching. I wasn't watching it live, but uh, not too long after the fact, and I did not know ahead of time what I was uh, seeing there. And when you see the camera go up and it's just everything is shaking and you can just see the concern. And Kevin Kelly, Chris, Char Chris Charlton is not too far. He wasn't in the building, but he said after like he felt the the shake from where he was. And then Kevin Kelly and Gino Gambino are sort of reacting to this from further away. And they pretty much had to fill for 25 minutes and... I thought did an exceptional job of having to deal with something that there is absolutely no way you could uh, forecast occurring. You know, the, part of the mark of a great broadcast team is, you know, how they can handle situations on the fly. Um, I just don't know if earthquake training is a part of any of those situations. So uh, absolutely tremendous job by those uh, tremendous job by, I thought the the participants of the match itself, you know, I mean, the baby faces stayed out there to like keep yeah. the crowd calm and entertained po posed, posed for photos. And I think like, this is never a good situation, but if there's so, some silver lining, it's that the people that were involved in this match were your biggest stars in the company in Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi who were able to stay out there. And I thought it was really sweet how like the whole time they were trying to calm the audience, you know, to tell them, Hey, everything's okay. We're going to be here. Uh, and then Jay White, of course, being Jay White took, stole their belts and then like came back out with it as, as a heel should. Um, but it, this was um, like a 7.2 earthquake in Sendai. This and, was um, a significant earthquake. It was uh, it was very scary, like watching in the yeah. moment. And for these performers and those involved, it's like you're thinking of your family. And I mean, like, I, listen, I everyone's going to have, you know, especially in Japan, you think back to 10 years ago. That's where your mind is going to go to. Um, so this. I texted it, my brother, you know, just in Tokyo. Just to did he feel it? it was. Yeah. It was wow. felt. Um, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, he, like by the time I, I got to him, he told me like, you know, the, the warnings had passed. This is like, 
this is a way of life in Japan. You know, they're under, under constant threat of something like this happening. Everybody, like, you know, they're taught in schools how to prepare for this stuff. Um, but, you know, when it happens, of course, it's still incredibly scary. So glad, you know, as far as we know, people are safe. I've only experienced two in my life. There was one in Toronto years ago. And one time I was in L.A. in a cab and like the ground just starts shaking and my cab driver is just like, yeah, it's happened all the time. Like, Jesus Christ. Crazy. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> like if, you, if, if I get, you know, you either you, you get used to it, it to a degree, um, but it's still it's crazy. But this one's um, had it really like, exceptionally big. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that was uh, the New Japan uh, Cup news. And I guess we'll open up the phone line. So if you want to chat about any of this, uh, we're welcome to chat about whatever topics you would like. And. We are three weeks out from WrestleMania. And if you use Peacock tonight, I'd love to hear what your experience was. And we'll try to get to as many calls as we can. So uh, we will keep them quick. Let's go first up to Rory in Australia. Thank you for staying up. Or at least what, what, is, what time is it over there, Rory? Well, no, it's, it's quite easy for us. It's uh, only uh, 2 p.m. here. Uh, so oh, okay. it's- well, thank you for staying up till t- 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 2 p.m. <laughs> No worries. It's it's waking up early. That's the thing. Um, uh, but I, I just wanted to mention on what you were just talking about, like, like watching that earthquake moment. That was that was incredible. That was amazing. Like, and and yes, it was for it was a bad situation. But just to see, especially Chris, I was very impressed with Chris and how he relayed the information. Obviously, having that news on in the background, as he said, and just just doing a fantastic job Gino trying to be as entertaining uh, as he can be uh, doing a fantastic job there and just Kevin yeah just really holding it together uh and and yeah just the wrestlers my god like like seeing Tanahashi there playing the guitar trying to get the crowd going and all that. it was just it, it was it was sort of heartwarming to watch uh, it was so beautiful um mm. but uh, but all in all that was a fantastic show as well uh that was really really entertaining uh i fast lane right uh yeah, no <laughs> uh, i'm going with the uh, new japan i'm going with the the, the sendai show uh i i just like uh i'm with the after angle uh, after match angle i was not shocked like i'm gonna be brutally honest with you i was not shocked like i've seen the reaction on twitter i've seen this i've seen that uh i i just i just look at it as pro wrestling uh that might be the naive way of looking at it but I do look at it at it uh, as pro wrestling, and and clearly B was B was on board with it all. B was was in on it, and she said, "Yeah, let's do it." I think all things would have been considered, um, and yeah, I just think yeah, just uh, just ease off, <laughs> ease off him, uh, everybody. Just yeah, uh, but uh, but to me, to, to fast lane to to the show today, um, really really good show, um, but yeah. Uh, I, I don't care about the fiends. Um, I, uh, I, I'm surprised that they've managed to make edge seem like someone that nobody really wants to see in the main event of WrestleMania. I found that quite interesting. Uh, not, not as the main focus, so to speak. Um, and yeah, with, uh, Bianca Belair and, and Sasha, I'm just like, wow, uh, how, how do you, how do you mess that one up? Uh, I, I was very, very confused about that. So, yeah, uh, but uh, that, yeah. That, that, that's, all, that's just my thoughts, so I'll, I'll leave you to it. 
Thank you, Rory. I, I think that is a good question. Like, you know, it, it, if it, again, we don't know that they are going to do a three-way. You know, this could just be like building up to a big match on SmackDown with Daniel Bryan and like somebody else. But like, I, I don't know, think that's the case. I don't think so either. And so, like, that's pretty unusual, though, don't you think? Having like, you know, this push the whole way through with Edge is a very clear babyface, and then kind of changing the audience's, you know, focus like three weeks out. I I feel that. The way they built this matchup with with Brian and Reigns, I mean, I th- I think they laid this out the way this was going. Like it was very strong it, with with Daniel Bryan involved here, and I think that this was like this was a natural way to go. To me, this doesn't feel like this is coming out of left field. Like this feels like the natural progression of this story of the past four weeks since Elimination Chamber. At what point do you think Brian was in the in the um, I guess in in, in the conversation? To, to be inserted into this um I, I would imagine like going several weeks back like the way certainly this was not certainly not all the way to the rumble right uh, i wouldn't go that far no but i mean from elimination chamber on when they decided to go with this match and how hard they've pushed brian it was to me like and not just brian for reigns but they've been building up brian and edge and i would say once they were teasing that I, I think like this three-way was a natural match to expect at WrestleMania. I guess I just find it interesting when like, you know, it could have been Brian all the way from the Rumble. Um, you know, I guess Elimination Chamber, it could have been Brian. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not complaining again. Let's go to Hanzi up next. Hanzi, please unmute yourself. What's going on? Yo, what's going on, man? Um, no, I, I listen, the pay-per-view, I mean, all the endings... Except for the Drew and Sheamus match, which I thought was was really good. Um, all the endings. Listen, with the Bianca and and Sasha thing, I'm hoping that in the next four weeks they do some rehab on it because there are people online going, "Oh, do you remember when Austin and Rock, you know, had this kind of build for their match?" But it's like they threw Deborah in there for like no reason, and then within like the last like two three weeks they built it up. I'm not comparing it to Austin and Rock. I'm just saying that. There is a way to rehab it, but they took some really unnecessary steps in in how they presented this. When they, it was a slam dunk, I I've been saying it since Survivor Series. Like even with like the booking and that and that, like they had a slam dunk with making Bianca have a cool career highlight of being a sole survivor, and then a Bailey feud, which didn't really go as well. The Royal Rumble win kind of you know helped her out, uh, but then after that, it's just been I don't know. It's like hope the next four weeks. We get that on the caliber of what it's supposed to be, if, if you know. And then um, the three weeks, Hansi, time's ticking. Yeah, yeah. And and the, and the Daniel Bryan stuff. Uh, you know, I it went as well as expected. I like the fact that Roman Reigns tapped. Yeah, I I like that Big E and Apollo. They should have just waited for Apollo and, and Big E at WrestleMania. They need to have it, but I guess they wanted to prolong it. But before I go, I just want to say that I watched the some of the New Japan stuff and. Uh, I know what you're saying, Pollock, that, like, he just came out of nowhere, but, like, I don't know, maybe I haven't, I haven't been checking for New Japan as much. I've actually been super impressed with Osprey's character and his mic skills. Like, I did, like, wow, this guy actually has mic skills now, whatever. I don't, listen, I, I thought, like, if there's a payback for what Bia's going to do back to him or how they follow up with it, it depends on how they follow up with it. But I don't know, I just, maybe I grew up in the Attitude Era, right? But I can understand why people are a little bit like kind of like oh this is kind of you know this is kind of weird whatever this is kind of, you know what i mean especially with like some of the cases you have of the speaking out movement and all that type of stuff 
wasn't the best thing. But I don't know. As far as being a heel, this is what I think a modern day heel should be, kind of. But you just need to have good, good guys to kind of, you know, give them their comeuppance, if that makes sense. I, you know what I mean? But I, as someone who hasn't watched New Japan a bit and kind of follow the clips on Reddit, I got to say, I enjoyed the match with uh, Shingo. I want Shingo to be a world champion someday. You know what I mean? Uh, just, just, just like I want Ishii to be a champion, some world champion someday. But uh, basically, yeah, those are my thoughts. And uh, thank you guys for doing some good work, man. I, I always appreciate these shows. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Hansi. Thanks for the call, Hansi. We go up next to Nick. Nick, what's up? What's going on? Happy Sunday, guys. John, I'm disappointed that you didn't like the Alexa Bliss banger. That was her remix theme tonight. Uh, I hated it. It was no, um, I didn't like it either. I don't know. My 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 ears were bleeding, so I, I couldn't quite make my way through it. But um, I, I genuinely turned off my soundbar to like make sure it wasn't like something wrong with like my Bluetooth speaker. I was like so confused what was happening there. Well, someone spent a lot of hours on it, so let's not uh, let's not right, be too cruel. Yeah. Um, I I actually watched the show on Peacock. Uh, okay, well, I, tell us about how that went. So I was really worried coming into tonight because I cover soccer and for the Premier League, they've been putting a lot of their marquee games on Peacock. And that has really, I think, been a, a disastrous experience for NBC. I think they've experienced a lot of time lag, uh, quality fluctuation. I heard about that tonight where it was like some people, it was behind the international network feed. And there's also like, correct me if I'm wrong, that once you log in, there's no... There's no rewinding. You have no, to. No, you can't rewind and you can't fast forward. Right. So okay. you're stuck with the stream that they give you. That but, would drive me insane. That would be impossible for me. Yeah, I think overall for me, it didn't it didn't fluctuate in quality like the Premier League games. But I certainly was uh, way behind one of my friends who I was watching this with, who was watching on the network. So I was like, I was about like a minute thirty seconds behind him. Wow. So there is a significant time lag. I think overall, though. The quality came through really well. I didn't experience any breakage like That's some other good. people. So I think they definitely have some issues to iron out before Mania, but with the time thing. But other than that, I think it was a relatively successful question mark debut on Peacock for them. WWE and, put out, this is the statement they put out. Any issues occurring with tonight's broadcast of Fastlane will be addressed in the future. And, and just, okay. to, just to refresh, um, no commercials. No commercials. They um, they had like the the standard like WWE Hulu promos and stuff like that, yep. and a bit more. Yeah, like but we got those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think for the live pay per views, I think you're, I think you're going to see more of the the intrusive ads on more of your on demand content rather than yeah live pay per views. You would think. Yeah this this whole experience felt way more like streaming a movie or a TV show than like a live televised sports match which i think benefited this experience in particular right all right well uh i guess it it remains to be seen the big test will be in in three weeks um Mm -hmm. but it seems like yeah there were some hiccups tonight but i mean the big test is in three weeks yeah i I agree i think especially with with two nights in a row we'll see how they, they they maintain that sort of consistency with it I think on the whole, I think the problem I had with this show is that you could skip it entirely and then go into Raw and SmackDown not having missed a thing aside from the main event. And I think, like, say what you want about AEW Revolution, and I guess they have the benefit of not having to do as many pay-per-views. But even with the matches that you could attribute 
to be his filler. Like those matches still have stakes. And even Drew and Sheamus, which I thought was a really good match. Um, I would have saved the Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley match announcement for tomorrow. So it felt like Drew had earned something by beating Sheamus tonight other than bragging rights. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, from from a pure build standpoint, I completely agree with you. I think more than anything, it was the timing of of tickets going on sale. I think that was, I think that put them into this position where you kind of had to go backwards announcing the match and then do this lame duck match with Drew and Sheamus. That ideally, I mean, yeah, it just seems it would have been logical that tonight's match, Sheamus and Drew, Drew wins, he advances and gets the title shot and you confirm it on Monday. But we kind of had to go backwards. And I think the main event is really good. I think they have to do a triple threat just because Edge has been cutting sneakily heel promos for a few weeks now. I think they've kind of exhausted his fuel as a baby face. And I'm excited because I think a heel Edge is sort of the, the peak Edge. He's one of the greatest heels of all time. And I'm excited to see what his heel promos have in store, you know, on SmackDown and going forward in the build to this feud. So that, that's, that's all I have to say. I appreciate you guys as always. Thank you, Nick, as always. And we have... Uh, One bit of news here. WWE has come to terms on the release of Andrade. We wish him all the best in all of his future endeavors. Wow. He got it. There you go. So there you go. Andrade is, well, I I would think that probably is going to have a no compete. Yes. I would think that would be the bare minimum that they would insist upon. So probably 90 days would be my guess. Hmm, interesting. Do you, yeah, well, we'll see what the fallout is and probably discuss a bit more tomorrow. Let's go up next to Alex. Alex, what's up? Hey, guys. Um, been a long-time fan since you guys were on the law, so really glad to get to talk to you guys about um, just Road to WrestleMania stuff. Um, awesome. So, Thanks. Yeah, um, I want to talk mainly about the Sasha and Bianca feud. Um so I'm actually going to be traveling from California to Tampa to the show. Um, I'm fully vaccinated. And by the time three weeks from now, I should be fully able to go travel and be as safe as possible. So for me, that was my main event match. So for all of this stuff to be happening with this feud, it's very disappointing because to me, that's what I thought would be the night one main event. But at this point, it kind of looks like it's going to be relegated to like either an opener or right in the middle of the show. So it's really I still think it'll be featured pretty prominently. I, I don't know if that means uh, where its placement is on the show. I, I still have very high hopes for the match. I think that it will be come the day of the show. I think I think it will be a very strong match that they have. It's I just think that they do have their work cut out for them in the next three weeks to really make it feel like that. It's one thing to, you know, you sit down, you watch the match, you have a great feeling afterward, but I think part of it is you want to have that build. So that going in, it feels like, you know, the feeling you had about wanting to make this trip to go see that particular match. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was my frustration with it was that the build was so frustrating and this whole tag title and the Reginald stuff made it feel a lot more diminished, but you know, it is what it is, but um, I did also watch the show on Peacock today, and um, I watched it on an Apple TV, and it was really good quality throughout. Like when I watch shows on WWE Network, especially I notice this with the pyro, you see a lot of um, artifacting and a lot of issues with pixel drops, 
with the Peacock stream, it stayed consistent throughout the entire show for me. And I had a really good overall experience with it. So oh, that's good. I, I, I was really happy with the stream quality and um, it's really all that I had. I just want to say thanks for, thanks for the content guys. You guys are awesome and really appreciate what you guys are doing. All right. Well, enjoy WrestleMania, Alex. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thank you, Alex. Up next, we go to New Jersey. If he's a- hello, hey, what's up? All right, you are there. Hi, how are you doing, Brandon? What's wow, going you're... on, man? What are you on, like a landline? This sounds like a low quality phone. What is this? Obviously, you're not. It sounds on... like Alexa Bliss's theme song. Yeah. Hi, I thought it, man. All right, uh, what's all right, all what's right. going on? I'll, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. I'm sorry. I'm, uh... I thought you were tired. I'm sorry, uh, I'm back. It's been a while. Uh, I feel bad for Randy Orton being stuck with another themed uh, program. Like, I mean, you remember what happened last time at Mania? It was total death. Where did like, you think I, this was going, Brandon? This has been going on for <laughs> four months. I haven't, it's, I, I haven't been watching. Like, I, 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 I usually watch like what I open because I'm usually asleep, but and I listen to your recaps and whatnot, but. I mean, I what tonight I saw with the theme. My God, coming back as uh, a charred up Smokey Smokey the Bear. Uh, look, that gimmick he's wearing. I mean, that's gonna be brutal to wear that gimmick in the Florida heat in uh, for Mania, right? <laughs> Outdoors, yeah. <laughs> oh man! Uh, and uh, one more thing, uh, Derek Brunson. He cost me my uh, parlay last night because uh, once again, he's the ultimate gatekeeper, and uh, he ruined my he ruined me making some money. But uh, it's in a row. Yeah, he's he's in line for a uh, contender spot, right? Yeah, your your man Calvin's going to be getting into the mix, though. I'm excited. I'm prepared. All right, I gotta go. All right, thank you very much, Brandon. Did you watch? Did did you watch the slap fight championship? No, he's gone. Okay, we can move on. Yeah, now I need to know this dude. This slap fight championship was all over my timeline yesterday. I actually felt I I had no time to watch it, but I was I was genuinely curious. Everyone was watching this. Benno was all over this thing. Oh, the slap fight championship. Okay, yeah. I, I think you would told. I think both of us would actually love it if we had sat down and watched it, dude. Do you know who did commentary for it? Moral Ronaldo, not Moral Ronaldo, but ki- pick your pick your wrestling tandem that you would just be your your perfect elixir for this okay. particular brand of combat to call this. Taz and um, Jim Ross. If I told you Matt Stryker and Vampiro were calling this. Oh, of course, of course. That uh, that was that would be my next choice. Oh, that sounds I, great. So, the, I I do have a curiosity to watch this thing because it looked. If, if this had been a weekend with no pay per views, I almost might have like done a show and watched it. You know, unfortunately, it was a very busy weekend. But the next slap fight championships, I think people should bank on that. Okay, maybe. Uh, we have some feedback, everybody, to Fastlane from the message board, and we start off here with. Andy from London, who says, well, uh, did we get, go to the poll yet? We did not. What did people oh, okay. vote this show? 5.55 out of 10. Mm, I'm not going to disagree. 
we got Andy from London who says there were two really awesome matches in that pay-per-view, but ultimately, everybody is going to be talking about it for wrong and weird reasons. Rather than add my comments to the laughable match, a question to you both. Do you think Bray and Alexa are remotely happy with the end product? Or is it a case of them doing as they're told and being quietly embarrassed by it all? I think this is exactly what... Well, maybe not exactly what Bray Wyatt wants, but I think much of this is, comes from him. And then obviously, you know, some sort of amalgamation of his ideas with Vince McMahon's and probably the others as well. Um, yeah, it's... The thing is, it's like... We've been down this path for years now with this character. So if he was somehow unhappy, I would have assumed that, you know, some something would be adjusted by this point. But we we continue. So I kind of get the sense that he he this is probably what they want. Listen, uh, again, like go go look at WWE shop and like that's where the greatest value of this Bray Wyatt character is like it is th- th- as much as we laugh about this. This is a brand new version of the fiend, which means more Mattel figures, more merchandise to it's like a whole different iteration of the fiend character, which means all the stuff that they can market. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's listen, I I'm going to talk about it, how it's a, uh, how aesthetically unpleasing it is. And it's some terrible television we have to sit through. Uh, but there is like that, that is where they find the value in this character to just, and, put... and the character has its fans. You know, Dude, when not... they put that fiend belt out there and there were people buying it, that's when I realized it. So I was like, okay, for the most it's part, just... it's not the people who listen to this type of podcast, but there are wrestling fans who don't listen to podcasts like ours. No, everyone listens to ours, but I mean, they can still partake in this. St- I mean, I, th- I think you way you are pr- if if there's like a if there's a subset of online followers that are just fiend fanatics, you're probably their guiding light. I mean, you have I'm been not, one that have. I mean, I'm not a fanatic, but at the same time, I'm not going to hate everything that they do with him. No, that's, you know, that's I, fine. I like certain things and dislike certain things. Okay, we uh, go next here uh, to Hogan, Mike Hogan. The first hour of that show was like any Raw in the last three years. Pick one. Thought the show picked up from Rollins versus Nakamura and finished very strong. I think Bray's mask is objectively a cool design, even if the context is silly, to put it mildly. But as a horror fan, I do like it. Not putting makeup around his uncovered eye was a strange detail to miss. That main event was everything I thought it would be and more. There were shenanigans at the end, but it did build the story in the 25 minutes beforehand were tremendous. Questions, did you prefer this match or the 2015 version? And would you keep the title on Roman coming out of Mania or would you switch it to Edge or Brian? I haven't watched the Fastlane match from 15 and probably since that time in February of 2015. They had a great match at that particular event, again, before WrestleMania. Um, I really enjoyed tonight's match a lot. I imagine I would probably have a pretty comparable opinion of both matches other than they were six years younger back in 2015. I feel like, and I don't remember that match off the top of my head either, but I feel like I, I enjoy this Roman Reigns character more. Um, and this Dan O'Brien just as much. So, don't know what that says. And I can but certainly can't... see the possibility of um, of a title change at Mania, and you can do it in such a way that Roman doesn't get pinned, or Roman beats one, but then that sets up the singles match with the other the next month. Many different directions you can go, but I I, I think a title change, absolutely. We go, to, we go to Richard up next who says, okay, the good, Rollins, Nakamura, Sheamus, and Drew, and the majority of Roman and Brian, the bad, the ending of the Roman-Brian match, 
could have been booked a lot better. But now at least we're probably getting a triple threat. And the rest of the pay-per-view, the ugly, everything involved with The Fiend. Honestly, with the lighting tonight, he looked like he vomited. He looked like a vomited, half-eaten bowl of borscht. A real, I really dread what they are planning with these two at Mania. I also feel bad for Alexa. Her character needed a reboot. Being a part of this really doesn't help. The further away from this angle, the better. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to lie that this has reached a territory where, I don't know, may, maybe Way is just like breaking me down, but <laughs> like what they have to do at WrestleMania, like to me, the bar is so high now or low, whichever you prefer to distinguish that there is definitely um, a curiosity to see where they go. Like maybe they should just go all out here. I think they're doing a Firefly Funhouse and you know, whether or not they, this year they add any sort of like physical component because of the live audience that remains to be seen. But I think cinematic matches are elements of the cinematic match are going to stay despite, you know, there being audiences. Uh, It's the perfect vehicle for this sort of character. So I have no doubt they'll have something big planned for WrestleMania. Your father had a never ending arm injury to wear the cast. Well, your cast is mental because you've been broken your whole life. Wow. You can guarantee Cowboy Bob will be a part of that. Has to be. Yes. Yeah. Um, weird segue, but uh, also I do want to make mention that uh, Randy's uncle, uh, Barry Orton, uh, passed away uh, just this this weekend at the age of 62. We do have a story up on the site uh, about that, but I think worth mentioning this weekend that uh, his uncle and Bob Orton's brother uh, passing away. We go to Daniel. Apart from The Fiend, Rollins versus Nakamura, and Drew versus Sheamus, I couldn't have been less bothered about it. Everything else. Apollo and Big E left me confused. The women's tag titles are just there, and I don't want to see Brian injected into this Mania main event. I have fully embraced The Fiend for what it is, not taking it seriously, and ready for whatever wacky scenario they come up with next. Four out of ten, he gives this show. I, I don't know why you would be negative on Brian being inserted into this. I think they've given you a pretty strong storyline component for it. I think it's a better match with him in it. And a lot that you can do with these three over the next uh, few weeks. I I think Brian enhances it. I I'm fine with Edge and Reigns, but I think it's a superior match with Brian in it. And there's a justification. It's not like this. You're just force feeding someone in just to include him in WrestleMania. There is a spot that he is occupying that I think that match needs. I think some people, and maybe myself included, prefer sort of the intimacy of a one-on-one program heading into, you know, the the ultimate blow-off at WrestleMania. Um, something about, I think, you know, the, the, all the classic matchups being this guy versus this guy and a central story just based around those two being, you know, feeling a bit more prestigious. But in this case, I, I think they've done a good enough job that I don't really mind it, but not everybody's going to feel that way. Finally, we go to Kate who says, I can't be the only person who spent the last several minutes of that show thinking, why do they hate us? I guess they are opening the door to a three-way at Mania so that either Edge nor Roman have to get pinned, but there are better ways to get there. On the bright side, Sheamus versus Drew was the match of the night for me, up to the standards of what they've shown us the last two weeks on Raw and mercifully free of shenanigans. Rollins Nakamura was solid. I would have been happy to watch them for longer if the story had warranted a bigger match. And the kickoff between Riddle and Ali was decent, all the more so because I think, or hope, that it looks like they're finally sending a retribution to a farm-up state. I don't know if they can resuscitate the members or if they'll even bother to try, but just freeing them from this awful gimmick will help. I caught Mission Pro's Empty Promises show last night, and of course, the Lights Out match on Dynamite, and it just made me feel depressed that WWE is unable to do anything better with their women's division than what we saw tonight, given their incredible wealth of resources. All right. 
Well, thank you everybody for your feedback tonight and great calls, great feedback. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great calls and feedback tonight. So we are going to be back on Monday night with Rewind a Raw, and I think we are in for like a hyper build for WrestleMania. I I would be I would not be shocked if by the end of the week we have a pretty good idea of both nights. The only question is, do you expect them to do what NXT is doing and distinguish which nights some of these matches are going to be taking place? Do you think we go into it where like, it feels really weird to me that we would go into these shows, not knowing what matches we're getting either night. I don't know if they'll do that, you know, like by the end of this week, but I do think by the, by the end of the three weeks in the go home shows, I think you will get that. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they do that last year? Or did, yeah, they did, didn't they? Didn't they tell us like what was on night one, night two? Oh God, I feel it wasn't until the kickoff that they actually started listing matches, I think. Wow, really? Is that right? That WrestleMania, well, last year's WrestleMania was just such a blur. I suppose like this year, I mean, the only difference that would be was that it would, you know, they are selling tickets, but have they sold out yet thus far? They're Anywhere? still, they were still plugging tickets available tonight on the broadcast. So there must be still some available, but I imagine it's not a huge number. I guess it doesn't matter, you know, to most people who are getting tickets to either night, whatever, whichever one or both is more convenient for them anyway. Um, but yeah, maybe they won't then. I, I could have sworn they did, but I guess they didn't. Yeah, just it seems very strange with with fans there. Like you're going on one night and you have no idea what matches you're going to see. And that to me, I think, is a mistake in the fact that your live crowd going, no matter what match you save for Sunday there's going to be fans disappointed. We didn't get this match tonight. You're only going to, you're going to focus on what you didn't get versus what you did get. So make it clear ahead of time. So, you know, going in what it is. Yeah, I kind of agree Mm -hmm. on a two night WrestleMania. Yeah, you should. All right. Well, we have rewind to raw coming up on Monday. If you want to go back and check out some of the shows, way has been a machine the past few days. The wellness policy with Jordan is up on this, on the, on the free feed. And for cafe members, we've got MCU Later. MCU right? Later, the debut edition of MCU Later, spelled L8R, of course. With me and WH Park, we are talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 1, as well a special bonus review of the Snyder Cut Justice League. How many hours are you in, John, of the four-hour Snyder Cut? I'm going to get a net, another viewing in as soon as we're done this. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. I, I got all was I needed out of WH's review. Yeah. That, that <laughs> brought me up to speed. Hey, did you watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yes, I did watch it. I, I'm shocked, literally shocked that I went all day Friday online and dude, my Twitter is littered with wrestling and MMA accounts. And I didn't hear one peep about George St. Pierre being in this episode and you even like pretty much uh told me and i didn't even get the reference when you texted me and so i was shocked that george st pierre was in the opening scene of this and what what an incredible start that first 15 minutes what a great opener what a great opening scene i should say um so does that mean john that you were happy you weren't spoiled I w- I w- it w- would oh, <laughs> no, it's impossible to spoil me. That's what I'm saying, Way. Oh, um, 
But it was a it was a great surprise. So sure, way right. if you if you if you submitted me into uh, that <laughs> acceptance, we are um, going to try to get get John Pollock on one of these uh, reviews for sure because uh, I know you're watching and you know this is your area of expertise, Captain America. So we need your take. Of course, yes, um, yeah. We'll we'll look out if uh, what's his name shows up. So. Yeah, episode one. I, I liked episode one. I thought it was like a good like I'm I'm coming it from the perspective of I know basic to nothing about any of these people. Uh so yeah, like I'm I'm literally best. like they're you're they're so, catering this to like set the foundation for people like me. That's the best way to, to enter without not knowing anything. Yeah, why not? All right, well go check that out. It's a great show with uh Way and WH, and then we'll speak with you Monday night. We'll be live for our double double ice cap and espresso patrons at eleven fifteen Eastern right after Raw, and we'll be chatting about all the news, Raw, whatever else is going on, and that's it. So thanks, everyone, for joining us live, and we'll speak with you later this week.